0: the following is a production by cutting to the chase podcast Happy New Year. Welcome back to the podcast. It's a new year and I've started out with getting a little bit of college basketball knowledge from my guy Tyler Aki over at ESPN 1000. We do a deep dive across the college basketball landscape. And we also touch on a little bit of the U trade between the Cubs and the Padres. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Aki underscore. Tyler Aki, welcome back to the podcast. You are my first recurring guest. So this is a big day for you, right?
1: Big honor. Yep. Big <laughs> it's funny you tweeted at me a couple weeks ago and it was like big year for you. You went from being who's <laughs> Tyler to now it's, oh, you're on my podcast right. and you're in my rotation of guys I exactly, tweet at now. Exactly. Uh so Will, great to be back with you.
0: Yeah, it's so funny because I think I know we talked about this last time, but I know you did some stuff with like the UIC flames, right?
1: A little bit. I worked uh, one or two of their women's basketball games.
0: Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was a game. I don't know. I just remember Black, Chris Black was like, he mentioned you in a tweet, whatever the tweet was. I could have sworn it was like a, maybe it was a basketball game. But anyway, he mentioned you and I was like, wait, who's Tyler? And now, of course, I know who you are because like you said, I tweet at you guys. And you've been great as far as not only interaction, but it's been fun to chat with you. But uh, yeah, it was also uh, also happy New Year. It's New Year's Eve. So what are you doing for New Year's? Anything?
1: Just chilling, man. I mean, there's not much yeah. you can do. It's crazy. Like a, a year ago, uh, I'm trying to think back to, to what I did a year ago for New Year's. I think I just went down to a bar somewhere. One of my buddies from college was in town. So uh, there was a group of us that just went out, had a good time. And now this year, it's just kind of like what do you do? You just kind of yeah, sit back right. and chill pretty much. And maybe you go to bed before midnight. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I know. I've never been a huge like new year's guy. I'm I'm not usually going to like the parties I've done them, but it's just, I don't really care. It's fine. But like you said, I'm just chilling too. probably just trying to get this podcast up. Probably like ASAP. Anyway, I got, I'm doing another one later. So it's like, well, I mean, I got the days off, so I may as well. Uh, I'm always trying to be productive. I feel like, so I may as well do something like that. But, uh, So anyway, I definitely wanted to chat some college hoops with you because uh, obviously the season is underway. I'm glad it's back. I know you're glad it's back. And I know that you also have the Locked on Syracuse podcast that you've been doing. So I know you're definitely keeping up with not just Cuse, but everything across the country. So I know in general, with college basketball, just like every sport, they've been forced to navigate the pandemic, maneuver the schedule, postponing games as we go. That's become the norm. But kind of getting into it. So teams like Kentucky, they're not good right now. They have a six game losing streak and they're off to one of their worst starts ever going back to the 1920s, which is just insane to think about. What I was curious about was they were ranked going into the season. Uh, and I know they usually are a team like that is usually fine. They're usually going to be in the tournament picture more often than not. But I was curious about what your thoughts were on a team like Kentucky going into the season. Did you foresee, I know that you would not have necessarily expected a one in six start, but did you think this team has flaws or do they seem like a normal team to you? That would be typical, you know, 25 win, whatever tournament team maybe a hiccup early but then they recover
1: so when i looked at kentucky heading into the season you kind of figured there would be something that would go wrong with them i didn't again i don't think anyone could have predicted one and six for this team but you knew that heading into the year they had their minutes continuity which is a statistic i think has been really important this season because of the fact that you look at Every, how everyone's navigating the pandemic and having that sense of familiarity is going to be such a big thing. So you look at some of the teams that have kind of shown some promise in the early going and maybe surprise some people. I take a, a team like Missouri and Wisconsin. Those are some of the, the really, really good teams in college basketball right now. And I know both of them are, are coming off losses, but they have a lot of returning guys. And I think that's something that's helped them. Kentucky, their minutes continuity was like 0.1%. That means 0.1% of key contributors were coming back. and the, that 0.1% is Keon Brooks and he hasn't, I don't think he's played a game yet because of injury so far. So it's it's something that we probably should have seen coming because we knew that familiarity was going to be important this year. We saw it in college football, and I think we've seen it so far play out in college basketball. And the fact that they didn't have that heading into the season, because they had all these transfers coming in, they had, of course, the the Kentucky model of getting a bunch of one and done guys. So, yeah, we probably should have seen something like this coming.
0: Yeah. And I was curious, too, because, you know, I was wondering how much you would attribute to the craziness of 2020 in general. And like, you know, like less practice, maybe lack of summer sessions, uh, doing more things over Zoom. Uh, I'm sure that doesn't help. But of course, every school and team is dealing with the same thing. And a team like Gonzaga, you know, they're looking unbeatable and making everybody else look like a JV squad. So obviously, uh, with Kentucky, a team like Kentucky, uh, do you think that if you had to guess right now, I know it's, you know, almost January, but and they're going to be getting, I guess, to the heart of their uh, SEC schedule. But do you think they'll end up recovering and you know, kind of get back on track, or are they kind of just like North Carolina maybe a year ago when they just struggled pretty much all season?
1: I would actually say they are worse than North Carolina from a year ago, because you got to remember with North Carolina last season, they had Cole Anthony go down with a torn meniscus early in the season. So they were without their best player for the majority of the year. And when they did get Cole Anthony back, they actually picked it up and some people even thought they were a dark horse to potentially win the ACC tournament. Now, we know they lost in the the second round in their second game, but they were one of those teams that was trending upwards towards the end of the year. Meanwhile, with Kentucky, it's kind of like, well, what are what's going to be your your returning force here? What can where is the source of inspiration? And they really haven't shown any of that. They're not shooting the ball well from 3 and they're not protecting the ball either they're one of the worst teams not just in the sec but in the entire country of nearly 350 teams at both three-point shooting and with taking care of the ball and not turning it over so those are two things that i think are important to have success especially in the power five and i don't know if they're going to turn it around because cal likes to say the the freshmen eventually become sophomores towards the end of the year they start playing like sophomores but i mean there's not a lot of hope for optimism right now for Kentucky because the, they've had all these problems. I mean, I saw a practice the other day. Cal was literally showing the guys how to walk. Showing them how to walk. Like that's not like I get the whole what John Wooden wow. would teach you how to tie your shoes on the first day of practice, but teaching college kids how to walk. I feel like is one of the most demeaning things you can do. Like he would have been better off just, you know, the the team building exercise with the skis, they, then the ropes coming out with the skis, he would have been better off doing something like that with them. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, Kentucky's a mess right now. And, and they usually dominate Louisville. They didn't do that. Although they, they did hang close with them, but Kentucky's a mess. I don't see it getting much better. And, Right now, I don't think they are our tournament team.
0: I got to say too, I like the uh, I like the quick Wisconsin plug because I know Merkin will like that. Randy Merkin, <laughs> no. being a big Wisconsin fan, so Shout it's a good out way her. to. Uh, right, exactly. But uh, yeah, and I know Wisconsin. We'll get back to college basketball in a second, but while I'm on Wisconsin, I know that everybody was up in arms about the whole Mayo thing yesterday. That was the Wisconsin Bowl game. That right? was, yep With the the, uh, the Dukes yeah, Mayo yeah. Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not a, you're not a big you're not a big Mayo fan. I heard no.
1: I'm not a a mayo fan at all. I mean, I just find it disgusting. It it creeps me out a little bit. When I see a jar of mayo in the fridge, (laughs) I steer clear. I I keep all of my condiments away from, like I'm a big hot sauce guy and I'll use ketchup and barbecue (laughs) sauce. I keep all of those away from the mayo, as far from the mayo as possible. My mustard, my ketchup, my barbecue sauce, my hot, I keep it all away from the mayo because I don't want want it intermingling with uh, the mayo.
0: I feel you. I mean, I I do like it, but uh, it's not for everybody. I totally get that. But, okay, so I got my phone working now, so the ESPN app that was. So, I was going to ask you, in the SEC, who do you like coming out? I know it's early. I know we're barely even into the SEC schedule, but if a team like Kentucky is, you know, not the team to look at this year, are you looking? I know Tennessee is ranked seventh. Like you said, Mizzou is top. They're 12th right now. They're actually coming off a loss, or they had a loss, but Uh, who do you like in the SEC or who who are some of the teams maybe to look at?
1: I do like Tennessee a lot. They're one of those teams that we didn't get to see a lot of early on because they were on a big COVID pause. So they didn't have a lot of games scheduled and they're coming off a pretty impressive win. They took care of Mizzou pretty handily there. So I like Tennessee because not just the fact that they are bringing back a lot of talent, but they also have, I believe the third best recruiting class heading into this season. They got a couple five stars in their system. And I really like what they've done so far. They're, they've got a great balance of offense and defense. And they've got a lot of returning guys from a season ago, from a, a, or a Tennessee team that was pretty good. And the fact that the conference as a whole isn't that great. Like, Mizzou is kind of a pop up team that we've seen this year. Alabama, I think, is a solid team this year. I really like their coach, Nate Oates, and they've got a couple of key guys that came back as well. And I'll say this. Th- And Florida is another team to look out for. I know they're coming off of a pause because of Keontae Johnson. And again, it doesn't look like he's going to play for the rest of the year because he was the player that collapsed in the Florida state game, but it's good that he's back and he's actually working as a coach now with Florida. So he's, it doesn't look like he'll probably play for the rest of the year, which is a huge blow because he was the preseason sec player of the year. So it's tough when you lose a guy like that. But when I look at the whole conference, I think watch out for one team. Okay. Vanderbilt. They could make a little bit of a run. I don't know if everyone's been paying attention to this, but they have Scotty Pippen Jr. And he's a guy who's a sophomore, wasn't a very highly sought after recruit, but maybe he should have been because of the genes in him. In his, I think his last five games, he's gone over 24 points four times. So he's scoring at an immaculate clip right now. He can do it inside. He can do it outside. So watch out for Vanderbilt because occasionally we see some of these teams with a one-man wrecking crew. They can make a little bit of noise and they can pull off a couple upsets, especially in a conference like the SEC.
0: I wanted to get to Gonzaga, of course. So that team right now is like a powerhouse, looking like it. They just they just came off a huge win over. I mean, destroyed UVA, who is typically known obviously for its defense and they put up 98 on virginia which is unheard of virginia is known for keeping teams under 50 as it is but of course this is not the same virginia team that we've seen two years ago winning the title or even maybe even last i mean last year they kind of uh looked a little they shaky at up times at and of the kind year, got hot. yeah right and i expect the same will kind of be the case. Uh, Because Tony Bennett will get, you know, his guys going to defense, all that working. But they have some new guys in there, obviously, with Guy and uh, Hunter, you know, leaving after the last couple of years. But uh, with Gonzaga, so I guess right now, would you think, I mean, it's probably easy to say and think this, but do you think they will win it all? And who can play with them? I know it's early, but... So it's almost, I feel
1: like a good thing for college basketball. I know I was really down when this happened. But when they were supposed to play Baylor, this was, I think, one of the first weekends in December. But when they were supposed to play Baylor, that was pegged as the one-two matchup. It was a can't-miss thing for the college basketball season. And it's gotten to the point now where I'm almost happy they didn't. Because if they handled Baylor the same way that they've been handling all these other teams, that they've played these really good teams, like a Virginia, like an Iowa... And if they did that in December to a team like Baylor, it would have felt like the season's over for everyone. It would have felt like Gonzaga versus the field. I think it still does feel like Gonzaga's versus the field, but if they beat Baylor by 17 to 20 points, it would have confirmed it. And I don't think that would have been good for the sport, but when you look at teams that can hang with Gonzaga, I would say right now, it's probably only Baylor and I only say that because we don't know but Baylor is one of those teams that can that can play both sides of the ball they can play a bunch of different styles if they need to get into a shootout they can if they need to play a, a hard-fought defensive battle they can if they need to play tempo they can't they need to slow it down they can't and I think that's something the versatility with which they play especially when they get into the NCAA tournament and everything all these matchups and stuff are quick notice like you're playing one team one day and then you could be playing a completely different style of basketball two days later. I think that helps out a team like Baylor. So can they hang with Gonzaga? I guess we'll wait and see. But right now, it does look like Gonzaga versus the field.
0: Gonzaga has been really good the last several years. Always relevant, always a top tournament team, won seeds. They went to the title game against UNC a few years back or so. I know in their conference, you know, maybe they've taken flack here or there. I know that St. Mary's, right? Is the one Saint Mary's, kind
1: of, yeah, in the the West Coast Conference, right. right? I know,
0: yeah, in the West Coast. I know Saint Mary's has been a team that's kind of at least you know second place or kind mm-hmm. of right there. But BYU
1: pops up with them too,
0: right? BYU. So, uh, but I mean, we've seen them play you know well already against teams like Iowa, like you mentioned, or like we mentioned UVA. Uh, they were supposed to play Baylor, so they've had some you know interesting. Uh, an interesting schedule. I know the UVA game was kind of a random throw in after their game got postponed against uh, Villanova. And anyway, just trying to they're just trying to kind of piece it together as we go at times. And I know Gonzaga had games postponed also, and they looked impressive regardless. So it's going to be interesting. I, I expect do you think Do you think they could actually go undefeated. I mean, I know it's so crazy to say that, but
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's any team that can do it this year, it's them. And it's funny because I looked at some of the top 10 teams in Ken Palm right now. And Ken Palm does this thing. And for those who don't know, Ken Palm is like a a giant college basketball nerd website. Um, It ranks teams. It has all these advanced analytical stats and stuff like that. But Ken Palm right now projects Gonzaga at 44% is their chance of going undefeated. That's unheard of right now for a context, the remainder of the top 10 teams at the time when I checked this. So I believe it was Houston who has since lost and they had the highest of the remaining top 10 teams at like a point or what were they, they had like a three point something percent chance. Then it was Michigan at like a one or no Michigan had like a 0.09% chance of going undefeated. And then Tennessee had like a 1.7% chance of going undefeated. So For Gonzaga to be at a 44% is just unbelievable. It shows, again, and it's a part of the the fact that they're in the West Coast Conference and not in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the Big 12. So obviously that plays a role in it, but we've seen them do it against teams that, like if you compiled their teams that they've beaten so far this season, West Virginia, Kansas, um, Virginia, Iowa, Like, those are four teams that all could win their respective conferences. And so if they're doing that, and not just doing that, but doing it in convincing fashion, too, I think that's the most impressive part, is they literally go in and stomp on whoever they play.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, they've been so impressive. I knew going into that Virginia game, I know I was joking with you on Twitter, and I was like, yeah, Virginia, (laughs) you know, blah, blah, blah. I knew that this was not the same. Now, it would be really interesting if we could have seen... The really, you know, Virginia two years ago against this Gonzaga team at their both. Yeah, their, that would have been really peaks. Mm-hmm. But the the whole Kyle guy, uh, you know. I'm Kai talking, Jerome, DeAndre Hunter. Right, I mean, Jerome, Romody, exactly. Diki, they, Day they, Huff. I
1: mean, they still have exactly. a number of those pieces. Like, they still have right. Hey Clark and, and Jay mm-hmm. Huff. But, I and mean, Huff, they yep, have yep. all those different guys on that. That was one of my favorite teams, the 2019 Virginia team. But, like, them, I think it would have been really fun to see this Gonzaga team go up against one of those two Villanova yeah. championship teams. I think the, the 2018 team is the the better of the two, but I know that's a big debate yeah. in the Villanova community is, is the 2016 team better? Is the 2018 team better? <laughs> um, it's a good
0: problem to have. Yeah,
1: exactly. But I, I personally, lean the, yeah. yeah, I personally lean, lean with the 2018 team, but I would have loved to see these three teams. If you could do like a, like, you know how 2K has the Sims and you can play with like the old school teams. I would love to see a Sim of of the, those three teams play like a little round robin among them.
0: Like kind of just looking at the other conferences, like in the Big Ten, first off, is Illinois back in your mind? I know that uh, there's a <laughs> lot of hype around Illinois. They, you know, beat up Duke, who has looked a little shaky and they've postponed a lot of their games, non-conference games. You know, Illinois had, it was a, like a week ago or so. They were struggling mightily against... They lost to Mizzou, and then they lost to
1: Rutgers, too.
0: Yeah, they were down like 18-5 to 5 or something crazy in the first half. They ended up That's right, now it that like I 40, remember this. Yeah. It was 43-43 at halftime. They ended up winning 98-81. And this is a Penn State team that beat up Virginia Tech, who beat up Villanova. So it's just like random games. It's kind of... But going back to Illinois, uh, how do you like them? I know they were... Weren't they like a top five? definitely a top 10 team early. I know it was mm-hmm. early. They're 18th right now. But how do you like Illinois? And then how do you like the Big Ten in general right now?
1: So the Big Ten, by far and away right now, is the best conference in college basketball. And I think that, it, you know, it's interesting because usually the Big Ten, they'll have the most teams in the top 25. It's either them or the ACC usually. Yeah. Yeah when you look at the average ranking, the average ranking for the big 10 usually settles around 2021 because they'll have like seven or eight top 10 or top 25 teams, but you've got six to seven of those teams occupying spots, 15 through 25. So that's, that's the difference between them this year is you've got a team like Iowa, you've got Wisconsin. I know Illinois is a little down right now, but That's a team that could end the season in the top five of the country. Northwestern's come out of nowhere. It feels like Ohio state's a good team. I love Michigan this year. They're a team that I think can go to the final four. And then that's one of the things is where does Illinois sort of fit into that entire mix right now? Right? So when I look at Illinois, this is a team that is impeccable offensively. And all the metrics have shown that this is a team that has grown a lot, especially among top 25 teams, because at the beginning of the year, the metrics didn't love Illinois, especially after that Baylor loss. They were like 21st ranked in Ken Palm. And now I saw them shoot up to, I think, six the other day on Ken Palm. And I think they've dropped one or two spots since, but that's that's neither here nor there. When I look at Illinois, though, one thing that they have to do is they've got amazing offense. You've got the best closer in the country, in my opinion, in Io you got one of the best big men in the country with Kofi Coburn. But you have to play defense. This is a team whose offense is one of the probably five or seven best offenses in the country, but their defense trends closer to fifty than twenty right now, in my eyes. So I need to see them go out there because I think they've got the pieces to do it. Like Kofi Coburn can be an elite rim protector for you. Ayodele Sumu I think is a dog on the perimeter and can get you steals. He can. He's a guy who I can I can see being a lockdown defender. It's just, what are you going to get out of the other guys? You've got some veteran guys like Demonte Williams. You've got Trent Frazier. What are those guys going to bring you? And they need to bring it every single night because it kind of feels like a rotating cast of who is that third option on Illinois. If you're not the third option that night, you got to play defense. You got to play 40. And even if you are the third option, you still need to go out there and play great defense. So if they can figure things out defensively, I'm not going to say they could beat Gonzaga. But they could hang with Gonzaga, I think. Like, I think if Illinois figures their their identity defensively out, then we could see an Illinois Gonzaga championship.
0: And at the very least, if they're a deep tourney team. I think people will take that if they're just, oh, kind absolutely. Of on that, if you get, because
1: again, this is not too long ago. We're looking at an Illinois team that was in absolute dysfunction and disarray under John Grosh. And then Underwood takes over the program and he's done an amazing job.
0: So right now in the big 10, as you mentioned, I mean, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams that are ranked in the conference, Michigan state's Owen three right now. I know it's is dealing with COVID early, mm-hmm. but uh, is, I mean, what's up with Michigan state, even Rutgers, they're three and one in conference seven to one overall. What do you think about Rutgers? I love
1: Rutgers. They're a very gritty group and I, they play amazing team defense. like, If they had, if Illinois had Rutgers' defense, that's a team that could beat Gonzaga. Like, straight up, that's how good Rutgers' defense is. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to play with you offensively. And they have gotten some solid offensive contributions. The only problem for them is that they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. And I really love the mentality of Rutgers because I think while well, Gonzaga is the best team in college basketball. Nobody embodies the word "team" quite like Rutgers right now. Like you've got a guy in Miles Johnson. He was a, I think he was an All Big Ten selection from a season ago as a center. And they get this hot shot top fifty recruit, Cliff Amori, who comes in, and he takes the starting job. And Miles Johnson just doesn't care. He he goes out there. He gives you quality bench minutes, and you've got an All AC or an All Big Ten level big man coming off the bench for you now. Miles Johnson does end up playing the bulk of the minutes at the big man's block, but for a, a veteran guy to kind of take a quasi-demotion in terms of status where he's no longer a starter, I think that is that is all you can ask for in a team. Rutgers is is great like that. They've got Ron Harper Jr. too, who's really good. Um, you've got geo Baker. Bowl. Yep, another former or the former Bull kids. Name, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the Bulls kids are are popping up right now. Scottie Pippen Jr., you got Ron Harper Jr. Uh I don't think that either of the Jordans didn't really pan out, but that's okay. Yeah. But when I look at Rutgers, though, I think that they are a team that can make a deep run in the Big Ten tournament, and even get to like a Sweet 16 Elite Eight because of how well they play defense. The problem for them is going to be injuries because it feels like with them, they always have a big player who has to sit out a game because they're injured. Like Harper's been missing some time. Jacob Young's been missing some time. Geo Baker missed a good portion of the early season. Cliff Amori, the guy I was talking about, Uh, who was slotted in as the starting center. He's been missing some time with some injury. So it's, can they stay healthy? And I think that kind of talks to their depth that they have, but we'll see because if they can stay healthy, watch out for them as as a team that can win the big Ten.
0: And then Sparty, again, like I said, they're 0-3. We're used to them always being there too. So uh, what's up with, what what do you think about Michigan State? Uh, Are they just off to a slow start or are they kind of flawed in their own ways? Or again, it's early, it's almost January. They haven't even hit the meat of their schedule, but what do you think about the, Spart- the Spartans?
1: So Michigan state's always going to get the the little bump because of who they are Izzo, all that stuff. So they're always going to be in the conversation of a top 25, but I think what right now is happening with them is they are really, really missing the contributions that Cassius Winston gave them. He was their rock. He was steady for them. If you needed a bucket, if you needed someone to lock down and play defense for you, that was their guy. Cassius Winston was there pretty much everything it felt like from a season ago, a, a team that was really good a season ago. And now without Winston, it's kind of searching for that veteran leadership. There's almost a gap, which you don't really see with our teams, but there's a gap in leadership right now. It's kind of a, all right, who's going to step up and be that guy that can, when you get into crunch time, when you get into that little huddle, Who's going to be the guy that steps up? And I think they're still kind of searching for that right now because they've brought in a transfer in Joey Hauser. And then on top of that, you've also got uh, Rocket Watts, who's a, a sophomore, but Langford is, a, is another guy who should be stepping up for them. And he's had to deal with some injuries throughout his career. So he hasn't been able to to get into the, the groove that he would like to. And it's just kind of finding that next leader at Michigan State. And it may be a, a year-long process where they're searching for that.
0: So going to the ACC, and that's, of course, where Syracuse resides. Mm-hmm. But first, so I was watching, I was actually watching the UVA game uh, last night against Notre Dame. And at halftime, they were talking about uh, just kind of surveying the ACC right now teams that we're used to seeing like Duke and UNC UVA uh they're kind of uh you know they're kind of iffy kind of struggling here or there Florida State was a the team they were talking about in terms of uh you know what Leonard Hamilton has done there and you know just kind of trying to figure out who might emerge out of that conference so uh Duke's another one like I said they're they kind of iffy so far we saw Illinois kind of handle them pretty easily um I don't know how much this I don't I mean at the end of the day, I know not having fans is not ideal and doesn't help, but I don't think Duke is going to... It might help a team like Duke here or there when you have that crowd atmosphere, but Illinois just beat the crap out of them. It didn't even matter. Right. So I guess if you had to look at the ACC, who do you like right now, or who do you like in terms of a team that could end up coming out of that conference? Uh, I think, again, I think UVA will improve and kind of resemble what we're used to. I th- I always think the same uh, with a team like Duke, I always, I, I always assume right. they're probably going to figure it out. Even UNC, but then last year we saw a team like UNC just struggle a lot. And again, it's sometimes the name helps a team like Duke or UNC also. So in uh, the ACC, and of course, I want to get to Syracuse. But first off, what do you, what do you think about the ACC right now? Who do you kind of see emerging out of that conference?
1: So I think you're right. I think you, or, uh, the the conference as a whole has too many darts for them to not have a big name sort of stick, whether it's Virginia, whether it's Duke, UNC, I would guess of those three teams that are struggling, probably like Virginia the most to kind of emerge from the pack of the blue bloods. But I mean, Florida state, I think has been really good this year. They, they had a hiccup against UCF and um, they recently lost to Clemson as well but Florida state has my favorite player to watch in the conference and Scotty Barnes. He's a true freshman. He's probably going to be one of the top three or five guys off the board in the NBA draft this year. Long guy who can play point guard for you if you need him to. But honestly, the most impressive team so far in the ACC has been Clemson. This is a team that prides itself on defense and they've gotten, they've played a a decent schedule so far too. Like I mentioned, they beat Florida state. They, They had an early season test with Mississippi state too. And I look at a team like Clemson, so defensive minded and that we've seen that work in the ACC, especially when there's no real offensive juggernaut in the conference. Like a couple of seasons ago when Zion was there with RJ and Cam Reddish, that was an offensive juggernaut. And that was the only team that Virginia lost to this year. There is no offensive juggernaut in the conference. And when I look at a team like Clemson, who's got the second best defense in the country, in fact, their defense is even better than Virginia's is right now. So I look at Clemson and I say to myself, that could be the team that comes out on top because there is no team that can just light you up from distance. Like UNC has really struggled from deep. Duke has really struggled from deep. So I'm looking through the conference to see who can maybe step up and be that offensive team that scares everyone. And to be honest, like the best offensive team right now in the conference is Syracuse. And I I say that without the orange blood in my veins, I, I say that because I actually mean it because They've got a ton of offensive weapons. And I just don't think Syracuse can hang with them defensively. So I look at – and we've even seen it kind of play out when Syracuse plays a really talented defensive team. They played Rutgers earlier in the season, and albeit without one of their best players uh, with Buddy Beheim, he had to sit out that game. But against Rutgers, they struggled offensively, especially when guys were getting feisty with them and in their jersey. Like we've seen Syracuse have problems in the past when they play a team like Virginia Tech because they are just so good defensively. And I think Clemson would pose those problems to them. And I think Syracuse honestly is by far and away the best offense in the country. So when I, or not in the country, in the, in the conference, when when they've got that level of offense to them, and I think it's just something that Clemson defensively can match up with pretty well. So I'm not really worried about how Clemson would handle a team like Syracuse
0: you know you mentioned virginia tech a second ago and you know first off it's we're looking at the acc standings and seeing like four teams that are ranked and of those four it's tech uva duke florida state and the highest being florida state at 18 and you know we're used to unc we're used to louisville maybe syracuse you know being ranked but right now virginia tech uh they were talking about them last night too a little bit and right now they're 24th they're technically atop the ACC kind of tied with uh NC State in conference but what do you think about the Hokies I mean could they be kind of a team that even not just reps the ACC but do you see them making a run or what do you think about the Hokies
1: I was a little surprised at their early success they had the the big win obviously against Villanova and then I believe they lost the next day uh I can't remember exactly who they played but Penn um, state
0: beat them up. Was it was a
1: Penn state. Yeah. Penn state. And, yeah, and they played yeah. them in the, the big 10 ACC challenge. That's right. So yeah, they got crushed at castle Coliseum too. So I, I know there's no fans or whatnot, but you should still take care of business in your home stadiums. But I'll say this, it's a resilient group for Virginia tech right now, because they lost their best player from a season ago. Landers nolly was one of the best freshmen in, in the ACC. And, he left. He left after a season at Virginia tech and he goes off to Memphis now where he's having a little bit of success. So I think you got to credit the resiliency. They, and Virginia tech is one of those teams that hasn't caught a lot of breaks this year. And they're making the most of it right now. So I think you gotta tip your hat there.
0: I was remembering how Buzz Williams was the coach there. Now he's at Texas A and M. And I don't know. It would have been really interesting if we could have seen the tournament play out last year. I was so excited to see what UVA might have done because they were getting hot and they were the defending champs. And then of course we know what happened. But uh who would you did you like Dayton winning that whole thing or Kansas? Or what did you think going into last year's tournament?
1: I really like Dayton. I was I was big on the Dayton bandwagon because they were so good offensively. They kind of I'm not going to say they reminded me of Gonzaga, what Gonzaga is this year, but they had that level of offensive dominance. They didn't have quite the defense that I think Gonzaga has this year, but they had a very veteran group. I think almost everyone in their starting lineup was a sophomore or like a red shirt junior. But the bottom line was they had a bunch of experience on that team. And I think when you coupled that with the fact that they had gotten a, a taste of winning and, and they had beaten some good teams, like, To put it in hockey terms, like they would have gotten a point in every single game last year. All their losses came in overtime. So I found that super impressive with what they did. And I I really liked Dayton last year. I like them way more than I like the team like San Diego State, one of the other emerging teams. But also, I really like Florida State. I thought they were really, really talented from a season ago. They had... Devin Vassell, who is a guy that that goes pretty early in the draft. And obviously Bulls fans familiar with Patrick Williams. I think that was a guy who was probably going to explode a little bit off draft boards if there had been a tournament. And so they had the depth. They have the depth every single year. I really like the collection of Kansas, Florida State. And then uh, Dayton as well.
0: Now, taking it back to this year, like I was mentioning at the top, you uh, are on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. So first off, how's that been going? I know you've been doing that a ton. I, I, have been meaning to listen to a lot more. I've caught a few recently. I caught the end of, it was like the, uh, like 2020 in review, Mm -hmm, which is just crazy. This has been the longest year ever. Just like, Holy crap. That was a whole year ago, but it seems like it was five years ago. So yeah. How's the podcast been going?
1: It's great. It's, uh, me and and my buddy, Tim Leonard, who I went to college with and it's been going really well. We love it. Um, carving out a nice little niche in the, the Syracuse community um and, and it seems like the the listeners enjoy they come back with us every single day we're we're on monday through friday so it's uh, a lot of episodes a lot of content but it seems like everyone's enjoying it and i know tim and myself are enjoying it too
0: yeah and i've been shouting you out to my other syracuse friend tim so shout out tim but uh so that's yeah. awesome that you have been just keeping busy with that and of course your regular stuff with be espn 1000 so You're crushing it, obviously, on the radio. Um, But, yeah, I wanted your thoughts on Syracuse also. This is your chance to really rep your your, your team. But, uh, obviously, uh, you're very knowledgeable across the entire landscape, but I know you know Syracuse. So what have you thought about the Orange so far Uh, and just kind of maybe what's ahead or even, you know, what what do you think they kind of uh, in the ACC might fall or even beyond in terms of tournament or anything like that?
1: So I think they're a tournament team this year where exactly they'll shape out depends on if they can figure out their defense, because right now they've got one of the most explosive offenses in the country because they've got all these different shooters, buddy, Bayheim, Joe Gerard's had his struggles, but I think he'll, he's going to be a guy who gets right. As the season progresses, they bring in a transfer from Illinois and Alan Griffin, who's shot the lights out. And then they've had this guy, Quincy Guerrier, who last season was playing through a pretty bad sports hernia and this season is looking like the most improved player in the conference and a guy who can be a first team all ACC member he's averaging a double double and is Syracuse's leading scorer and is probably going to be a guy who makes the leap to the NBA if he stays healthy and continues the success he's had early in the season so Syracuse is a team that is a tournament team in my eyes it's just going to be defensively what are they going to show you the rest of the year because sure we know all about the 2-3 zone but there have been a lot of holes in that two, three zone this year. And you look at what's happened to them defensively. It feels like whenever a team is struggling from three, they face Syracuse and it's kind of their get right game from distance. We saw it with Rutgers. I think Ron Harper jr. Had like five or six threes against them. And then I'm sure we could see it against a team like Duke or UNC teams that have struggled throughout the season to hit three pointers. And if they're going to hit three pointers against Syracuse, they're probably going to win the game. And I think you can say that about pretty much any team that plays the orange. If you make your threes because the, the zone allows for a high volume of three pointers to be shot. And if you're not closing out on them, the shooters these days are just too good. I mean, we see it in the NBA. Anytime there's an open three, it's pretty much automatic. And we're seeing, starting to see it a little bit in college where anytime there's an open three, it's starting to become more and more automatic. So I think they're having their struggles defensively right now, but if they can iron that out a little bit, and they've had some some bad injury luck early on and some bad COVID luck as well early on, but if they can figure out the defensive side, that's a team that can maybe be a, a five or a four seed in the tournament, but if they can't, they're probably uh, an 8 through 10 seed at the end of the day, or maybe even one of those teams that plays in the first four.
0: Yeah, Syracuse would be that team to be like a 10 seed or something, and they'd go to the final four. <laughs> right. I mean, we've seen that team mm-hmm. do that before. I'll never forget uh, 2016 when Virginia yep. blew that game. They had a huge lead, blew it, and yeah. So um, also, <laughs> I just thought of this. I did. I, I swear I didn't plan to bring it up, but I, I Talking about Syracuse, I know. What was your reaction when that football game happened and they spiked it on fourth down?
1: So it kind of encapsulated Syracuse football yeah. <laughs> in 2020. That That's the way I saw it. I mean, and Syracuse also had a lot of bad injury luck, too, football-wise. Like, Rex Culpepper, the guy who was in, that guy was a, a tight end who was playing special teams a couple years ago. He's a cancer survivor. That happened to him, I believe, his sophomore year. He had testicular cancer and so he missed a lot of time and just the fact that he was even on the field let alone a guy yeah. who's now thrown a couple of touchdown passes is a miraculous feat in and of itself but it, it's one of those things like his story is great but we know that great stories don't always equal football games one <laughs> as it gets played out so again, and Syracuse had their their starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito go out, but hopefully change is coming because they brought in a pretty talented quarterback transfer. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, but to, to get back to your original question of the spike, when I saw that, it was just kind of like, well, they found a new way to lose this one. And this is probably the most embarrassing of them all. And I, I saw it was on come on man, the next day on, or two days later on, on the Monday night football pregame. So yeah, it was uh it was tough, but it was it yeah. happens. It yeah. was twenty twenty in a nutshell for Syracuse.
0: Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't even realize that story though, so that kind of shed some extra perspective. But yeah, in general on the field it's it's unfortunate, but it happens, right? Yeah. No,
1: I mean everyone everyone has a, a mental lapse from time to time.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Tom Brady can do it too. So I can't exactly. anyone else? <laughs> all the teams and players that maybe we haven't talked about uh, who is maybe somebody that people should be paying attention to that maybe you're looking at or, or kind of have been watching and say like this team is a dark horse or really good. Or is this player someone that people should be paying attention to?
1: We kind of mentioned them,
0: but it's Michigan
1: and Michigan's a team that they bring in a top 15 recruiting class this year. But to me, it's more like a top three recruiting class when you factor in who their transfers were. They got Mike Smith, a guy from Columbia who averaged over 20 points per game. And we've seen a number of, of Ivy League guys go on and have success when they transfer to the Power Five. I think of like a, a Makai Mason. He was excellent at Baylor when he transferred. We're seeing Bryce Aiken at Seton Hall right now, who I think he, he's had some injuries this year. But I think he's going to be a great piece for that Seton Hall team. But Mike Smith's a guy, and then they also bring in Shandi Brown from Wake Forest. And when you couple those two in along with a top 15 recruiting class, to me, that's a top three recruiting class that you're bringing in. And we're seeing it right now. Sometimes you don't want the number one recruiting class. Look at a team like Kentucky. Look at UNC. Both of those teams have struggled a lot this year. But a team like Michigan, who brought back a lot of pieces, and then on top of that, one of those guys in that top 15 freshman class that you brought in is Hunter Dickinson, who's been one of the best big men in the big 10. And we know the big 10 is a big man conference. So I look at Hunter Dickinson and what he's brought to Michigan, especially this early in the season. And I think that this team can really do some damage when you take into account all the success that Michigan's had, because they're very under the radar right now, undefeated and A lot of people, like they got bumped out of the top 25. They entered the season as a top 25 team, and they got bumped out because they had an overtime win against Oakland. They ended up winning the game by like 10 points. But when you look at the non-conference teams they've played, they've played a lot of max schools, whereas a lot of these teams are fishing out to schools you've never even heard of, or they find local schools like that, and, and they're teams that are ranked outside the top 300. Whereas Michigan, they've played a steady diet of teams that rank between like 100 and 150. So I think that that's helped them ease into Big Ten play. They've got a couple nice wins in the Big Ten so far, and they're going to have a couple opportunities to pick some more up throughout the season. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Michigan can do, and I think they are a Final Four contender.
0: Yeah, talking about teams that maybe people haven't heard of. Uh, so I was checking this earlier on the ACC schedule. You probably have, you probably know who this is. I think I've heard of this team. I don't know where they are. But Wake Forest today has a game against, I want to, I, I think the pronunciation of this school is Catawba. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Have you heard of I have them? I've not heard of
1: them. No, that's,
0: that's a new one to me. C-A-T-A-W-B-A. I think I've heard of them. I'm going to look them up real fast because I don't even know where they're from. They're in North Carolina, so somewhat local, I guess. Obviously, it's to me, it's kind of like I, I went to Longwood. You actually know? I think you said you knew of you know you you I've know who Longwood, Longwood is. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. expect. I, I never expect anyone to know what Longwood is, even people in Virginia. So it's like this is probably kind of like that. But yeah, I mean, it should be a win for Wake Forest, obviously. But who the hell knows? Right. It's, it's
1: twenty. We've seen a ton of upsets, like Kansas right. State lost to a D two team this year who was missing half their coaching yep. staff. So it's just little things like that. You never know.
0: You know, I've been talking with you on Twitter. I was like, I was curious. So I know going back to teams like Kentucky, you lose a game early. It happens every year. And then they win, you know, 25 games or whatever. But, and I do know that any win for a team like Richmond, for example, uh, they'll probably be a tournament team anyway. They look really good. And just a couple of years ago, they were trying to fire Mooney. At least the fan base wanted (laughs) to. So it's interesting how they've turned it around. But Taking a team like Richmond, for example, anytime you go in there and beat a team like Kentucky at Kentucky, it raises eyebrows. It looks impressive, even if Kentucky isn't quite the team that we would have expected or, you know, you would be accustomed to seeing. So when a team, I know that, you know, an early loss like that, it happens, but it's kind of like now everybody's beating Kentucky. So it kind of takes the shine off a little bit, maybe. And I don't think it's going to, like we've talked about, I don't think it's going to impact a team like Richmond as far as tournament goes anyway. But you've told me, I think, before that uh, it doesn't really have a whole lot of stock anyway when you're t- taking into account like the RPI and the full. I mean, sure, it looks good. It's a win. But it's not like, especially in November or whatever, it's not really going to have the same weight, right? As a certain maybe win later on in the year especially once we see how good a team might be. right? right? I mean, obviously
1: wins are better than losses, but the, the value of games in November and December is not nearly what it is in February and March and what you do in your conference tournament and stuff like that. And the A-10 is strong for a team like Richmond. I mean, they're going to have some battles with St. Louis. They had a great game against Davidson uh, last night. So... I think, I mean, Richmond's probably going to be one of those teams that gets in and and Kentucky, a win over Kentucky, no matter how good or bad they finish the season, is just kind of another little icing on the cake type of moment for them. Yeah. But it's almost like a style point sort of thing. But I look at some of these teams that maybe if you wanted to use Kentucky as a good win or or maybe it turns into a bad loss at some point, I don't know. But I just don't think that, And I don't think the committee values those games as much because again, when you're looking at non power five teams that get into the tournament, it's mostly through the avenues of the conference tournament, the teams that can't afford those losses or would like to pick up those wins are the power five schools who are really vying for those at largest. Now team like Richmond Again, if they don't win their conference tournament, they're still probably going to get in because the A-10, I think, is pretty strong this year. But in the past, I think that, like, let's say the A-10 wasn't very good, and Richmond was by far and away the best team in the conference, and maybe they came up a little bit short. Almost, if I likened it to a team like Vermont from a couple years ago, when they lost in their conference tournament in the America East to UMBC, and obviously we know what UMBC ends up doing in that 16-1 matchup, but that should have been vermont's game and vermont would not have been a 16 seed they probably would have been like a 13 or a 12 seed in that so and vermont doesn't end up getting an at large bid so i think for for teams that play in in lesser conferences it doesn't matter as much because their best way in is through winning their conference tournament and a team like Richmond, though, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, whether or not they won or lost that
0: game. Yeah. And like you said, A10 is looking pretty good. And they've looked really good the last few years. I, I know it used to be so weird to think of a team like VCU in the tournament. Right. And now it's kind of like expected. Yeah. But uh, made me think of, um, you know, Virginia Tech's win, for instance, over Villanova. Like, Obviously, they're in the ACC. Villanova's in the Big East. Most people are used to seeing a team like Villanova beat a team like Tech, but you know that that kind of win kind of stands out for Virginia Tech, obviously. Right, and and for a team like Virginia Tech, that win's important.
1: All right, like it's not gonna like let's say they let's say Virginia Tech beats Florida State sometime this year, okay, and Florida State ends up being a top ten, top twelve team in the rankings when it's all said and done, or maybe at the time when they beat Florida State, I think if they beat a team like Florida state in February or early March or, or even in the ACC tournament and Virginia tech's in that bubble sort of area, I would say that a win over Florida state probably has more value than a win over Villanova early in the season, but it's nice to have both in your bank too. So it's something you can tout. And for a team like Virginia tech, that's one of those wins early in the season that could maybe push them over the top and get them into the tournament. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I have to ask, I know you, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah were trying to come up, kind of sort of <laughs> come up with like a name for like your segment. Have you guys come up with anything? No, or is it just kind it's, of, I don't know. Tyler talks basketball. Now. I don't know
1: if we're going to come up with something. I don't know if we need to come up with something. <laughs> I'm cool with it, with it being a no name segment, but, um, yeah, no, but, um, no, there has not been a lot of progress being made in that in that department right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of stuff, and I couldn't think of anything that really was earth shattering. Obviously, I know it was panned, and I would pan it too because it wasn't. I don't even know what I came up with now. It wasn't great. <laughs> I keep trying to think of like the "aki" of your name. Mm-hmm. I keep trying to think of how to correlate that with basketball. I, I don't know. I've got yeah. There, there's there's so, not Tyler a lot Ackie, that Tyler occupy. Yeah, there's not a
1: lot that that goes with it. So.